Greetings Grapple fans, it's time once again for another dose of pro wrestling pontification as myself, Lorcan Mullen, and the Adam Maxted to my Nathan Cruz, Mr. Simon Cross, discuss the seventh episode of World of Sport Wrestling, the seventh of ten, we're 70% of the way. If we got full marks, we'd have got a first. Uh, Simon, how are you today anyway, mate? Uh, I'm alright, I'm alright. It shows um, how little the roster is in World of Sport. I'm fairly sure you've used that exact one already. Yeah, probably. The probably. Sorry. <laughs> That's not your fault. It's the recruitment's fault. <laughs> Shall we get in with it? Uh, go on. Um, get on with it. I said get in with it. <laughs> get in with it. Like he's down with the kids. That's what, that's what they say these days. Things are peng and they get in with it. Yeah. Hmm. And you're a peng sort. Apparently that means you're good looking. Well, I, I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're on to World of Sport Wrestling Episode 7. Can you recall what happened in the previous episode, Simon? Uh, we had the breakup of... Um, uh, Cruz and Max dead last episode. We had oh, so that was the part of the final of the tag team tournaments. We have crowned tag team champions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? Without notes, I can't remember much uh, else. Joe Hendry beat Martin Kirby. Oh, the submission match. match. Yep, 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 yep. Um, and I can't remember either. <laughs> <laughs> Probably some, no. Justin Sizem won a handicap match, didn't he? He did it against. Um, Shaw Samuels and CJ Banks. Yes. It's not a great start that we had to consult our notes for that. <laughs> so we go into episode seven and we uh, start with Nathan Cruz actually making an entrance. He has a spring in his step and a microphone in his pants. New gear and new music as well. Mm, yeah. And uh, Cruz says that he owes no one an explanation. And then he provides us all with an explanation. Uh, he said that he uh, wanted to that the um, Maxted used him. He used Cruz to gain the fans' love and attention, and that whilst Cruz doesn't want what Maxted has, he doesn't want Maxted to have what Maxted has either. So that's a proper like spiteful uh, younger brother kind of <laughs> yeah. attitude towards something. I don't like Xbox, this. but he can't play Xbox either. <laughs> So yeah. Cruz challenges Max Dead to a ladder match with a WOS contract up for grabs. The loser leaves and is never seen again. Ever. Ever. Now, the thing is, again, this is what confused me. They've explained us what, that this is going to happen. They announce it at the start of the episode, and then Nathan Cruz brings it up as if it's a new idea that's just come to his mind. And um, Bennett sort of reinforces that by going, I'm going to sanction this match. Yeah, we know. We yeah, saw we it in the preview. And you've already got the briefcase dangling at the top of the ceiling already. Is it just, I just keep a contract <laughs> up there. You never know when a ladder match is going to take place. When some, you know, uh, red-faced cherub of a young lad, I don't know why he's like saying it like this, is uh, going to come and try and present himself with an opportunity. Yeah, who, knows? who knows? Grab it. Maybe. Well, maybe there's several briefcases up there. Maybe it is just a like a long feast or fired thing. We've already had the crater match. We've already had a singles contract. Maybe there's a title shot in the next briefcase. Can I say right now, I'm fed up with briefcases. It seems like every promotion has it now. The 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 cash in the briefcase thing, and I just think it was a cool concept that the WWE came up with. But how about everyone just comes up with original concepts? Just, just an idea. Just a suggestion. Um, 
I would counter that, Lorcan, with asking you how many Transformers movies have there been? How many Pirates of the Caribbean movies have there been? Yeah, People just dying out. The same studio. It's not like every studio after that said we will make a, a Pirates film. I'm fairly they sure. Said we'll make a uh, Caribbean Pirates film. <laughs> and then another one saying we'll make a Pirates of the Central American coastal area. <laughs> All the, and so on and so forth. You know what I mean? It's like it's a plot yeah. device that's just... At the very least, come up with something original. That's one of the things I loved about Progress when they started. They didn't have... They did eventually, but they didn't have a championship belt at the mm-hmm. start. The champion had, like, this sort of staff. Oh, and I the, remember. And yeah, the tag yeah. team champions had two parts of a shield that were... That you sort of plugged together. Yeah. I like that. Just thinking outside the box. Just... Have World of Sport had any original ideas in this whole show or is it all just been a derivative ripoff of someone else almost always the wwe not really i mean they've not really broken any ground no but anyway adam max said makes his entrance and they have a match they just have a match a perfectly adequate match the only two things that i need to point out that bothered me is they did a twice in the match uh one of the each guy collided with the ladder once yeah. In both instances, they cut away to the crowd. So that means that they're obviously not allowed to show... Weapon shots. Weapon shots. And that's fine. That's absolutely fine. I have nothing against family-friendly, primetime ITV wrestling. But don't book a weapons don't gimmick match. Don't book matches involving weapons, then. <laughs> it's incompatible thinking, isn't it? Exactly. So so that they clearly, in their head, like, we have to have the briefcase... There's no other way around it. We have to have this briefcase, and therefore we have to have a ladder match. And, it and, no, and no one in the meeting like... just went, well, we can't shoot ladder shots. How How is this going to work? I don't understand. It feels like they feel like they have to do a ladder match. You don't have to do a ladder match. It's not, and they've already had two. And if you count the pilot, they've had three now. Yeah, and technically... Well, not technically. That's we almost, went, we that's went... almost a ladder match for every other episode that there's been... It's yeah, I know. It's like three and seven. It's it's a very poor like a ratio. Three and eight, technically. Yeah. Oh yeah. If we count the pilot, pilot. Um, I would say that because as I've said, I've covered this in great length. I'm not going to go down this path again. But as I say, this feud has already skipped a load of steps to get yeah. to this point from one episode. And it also doesn't feel like a ladder match is the sort of match for these two types of guys. They're bigger guys. They're they they're athletic, but they're not doing Jeff Hardy or Kofi Kingston stunts. They're not those kind of guys. Yeah. Um, so give them something that's more suited to them. Give them like a last man standing match or bust out the steel cage if you can get one in there. But then again, if you can't do weapon shots, then obviously you can't do something like that. But a last yeah. man standing match you can do. or a, Well, they already have a submission match, but you know what I mean. Two out of three falls because you're like, you know, you fight for something so definitive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could do something like that. Um... So yeah, I just don't see. I just don't see the point to all of this. <laughs> We're quite despondent early on. I really don't mean to be. No. Uh, and the other, and the other minor note which I don't get is that like they do a spot where Cruz starts climbing the ladder. Adam Maxted does a springboard drop kick that knocks him off the ladder, and then thirty seconds later, Nathan Cruz climbs the ladder and Adam Maxted does a springboard spear, knocking him off the ladder. Yeah, and that's they, the one that wins it for him as well. I just don't understand. To and it's from like the springboard from the same spot as well. I don't, I don't yeah, understand why they repeated that. 
I think because he didn't get a lot of the drop kick. I think until I thought, oh, shall we do it again? Oh, we we need this. The springboard finish is what we've been told to do. But shall we do it with a move? Maybe you can hit a bit better. Possibly, but and and if that's the case, then it's the least obvious one. But there are several instances where they should have. There's been a move attempt, it's failed, and they've done it a second time, and they've kept the first move. Yeah. And this is a very obviously edited after the fact, so you genuinely could have avoided showing a botch. Yeah, this is coming out almost four months after it was taped at this point. Exactly. Um, One thing that really shattered the um, suspension of disbelief for me... Uh, it's a minor thing, and, and maybe I'm like getting into the real minutia of like ladder matches. But when you chuck someone out of the ring and they're on the ramp side of the ring, and then you set up the ladder, why are you climbing with your back to the dude you're fighting? Mm. They go up the near side. It really annoyed me when sort of uh, Max. Well, there was actually one other thing that bothered me. I think it was again. It must have been an edit point because Adam Maxted hit a diving um, move off the apron onto Nathan Cruz. And then there's obviously an edit point, and suddenly it's Nathan Cruz walking up the ramp and getting the ladder. Yeah. Whilst Maxted's down on the mats. I hadn't picked up on that one. I had picked up on another point. Um, It's when Maxted is pushed off the ladder uh, um, by Cruz. Cruz is on the floor. Cruz has the ladder in a perfect position. Like, it's literally directly under the briefcase. Mm. He then decides to move the ladder, so it's slightly not under the briefcase, but more in the centre of the ring. Mm. You know, I mean, it's just just trying to like force the next spot when so. logically yeah, it doesn't make sense. I mean, to do there was that. an amazing example of that on that Triple Mania. Um, I don't know if you saw either Botch Mania or an amazing thing where they sort of did the thing. You know, where they you sort of adjust, you put like a, a folded ladder and you rest it in between rungs around the middle of a of a standing ladder. Yeah. So one guy did that to his opponent, like rest him on that, but then the ladder fell off, and so the guy basically put the ladder back up and put himself back into the position to take the move. What, the recipient? The recipient did that. Oh. So for all that we complain about World of Sport, they... It's uh, not that bad. They didn't do that. Um, All I knew from Triple Mania was Vampiro farting on commentary. That's all I've heard so far. Uh, So nothing much else to report about this match. It's perfectly fine. These two guys are very talented. I think... They're better suited to being in the singles division than in the tag team division because Kip Sabian and Yeston Reese will do the, the, the good job as the top heel tag team. Yeah. So you didn't really need them there. Um, I still think Max Stead's better suited to being a heel. I just think if you look like that, you're inherently hateable. <laughs> you are, though. Even people who look like that will hate other people that look like that. I was just going to say there's a little bit of extra, I was a little bit of extra mustard in that one there, Lorcan, but never mind. No, but you um, know I mean? I'm not saying they're uh, inherently bad people, but you can easily exaggerate an image like that and turn them into a heel. You know, like if someone just can't help but have like an upturned nose, be a bit haughty looking, yeah. and, and of higher stock, that doesn't make them a bad person. They could be a Tim Nice but dim. Yeah, but they're very easily they can just do a couple of things here and there, and you just like Stephen Regal knew he had a face that he didn't have to do much to to make you despise him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's all and, in the and, nose and, of that uh, one and the lip. And Maxted had that has that as well, and Cruz has that. Yeah, and so after the match, Cruz is despondent and he does complain to Stu Bennett. And I do like this about Stu Bennett's character. It's like that he has favorites, but he doesn't just do everything for every heel. Yeah, like Cruz had his chance and he blew it. 
And so Stu Bennett isn't going to give him a second chance. It's like, but he'll help Rampage. Like, he obviously has some sort of thing with Rampage more yeah. than he does with Cruz. So. Yeah, it's like in the match, if it's in a match, he'll honour it. Mm. But if he's got wiggle room to move the goalpost, as we'll see, he yeah. does that. Yeah, yeah. It's a weird That's one. Exactly. It's, it's yeah. moral compass is a bit skewed. I don't know. Yeah, but it's not like... That was one of the things I liked about Bischoff as the Roy, that he's a man whose natural inclination will be to favour the heels, but he doesn't just do all heel stuff all the time. Oftentimes, he'll be neutral. Yeah. Sometimes he'll even punish a heel, but, you know, there seems to be, like, a, a method... To, not a method to his madness, but, like, there's an internal logic to the character. Yeah. And so there's mostly... Mostly an internal logic with the character of Stu Bennett, except for this whole Justin Sizem... Plug your mic back in. Hang on. There's always been this, um... Justin... Uh, this consistency with the character, except for some elements of the Justin Sizem storyline. Yeah, um, the size and things a little bit confusing, and again, we'll 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 cover that in due course. Yeah, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Um, but yeah, Crow, the backs, Cruz yeah. is interviewed by uh, Rachel Stringer backstage, and he promises. Stringer, thank you. I uh, couldn't remember it. Yeah, he promises this is not the end of the road for him, and he will be back, and he will rule the country. Which I thought, you know, I don't know if he's part of this new um, Eurosceptic coup that's about to take place in the Conservative Party. But uh, he, he looks a bit like a young Tory, doesn't he? He does. Yeah, that's not bad actually. He does seem like a. He, he's probably got as good a chance of being in charge of this country this time next year as Theresa May. Boom. Satire. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also, him already vowing to come back to me that says that you're already saying you're going to bait and switch people with stipulations, and that we can't take anything seriously. That's why yeah, the but... loser leave town stipulation bothered me so much. It's such a um, the whole the whole thing has just been like like friendly tag team, and then they've gone in the space from two episodes of seeds of dissension to blow off you. Can be the whole thing, yeah, the full like, full on Highlander it in like two episodes. It they're just rushing everything like this part now. Mm. Yeah, well they're rushing everything. Um, so earlier today, earlier in the episode. Uh, well, earlier the day of the filming, uh, Stu Bennett was in his his trunk steam pipe trunk distribution venue uh, office with Justin Sizem. Does it bother you that there's boxing gloves and such in it? Uh, well, no, not really, because doesn't Stu Bennett have a history of bare knuckle boxing and the like? Well, I suppose there shouldn't be gloves then if it's bare knuckle. Um, there you go. <laughs> no, I think it could be just like his own personal touch, you know. I suppose. Um, so yeah, he's there with Justin Sizem and, and congratulates him for beating Shah Samuels and CJ Banks in a handicap match. And Why doesn't Sizem get to wear a t-shirt? He doesn't wear his own. He doesn't even wear his cape. Yeah, he's just there in his pants mm. having a meeting. I mean, if I had that physique, yeah, but but I, WWE Finn walks around with a t-shirt on before he goes to the ring. Yeah, I guess if Finn does, no one's got an excuse, has they? Exactly. If Finn's covering that physique, other people should be covering their physiques. Yeah. But what does happen in this little segment is that we actually hear Justin Sizem say something for the first time in the entire run of WOS Wrestling. It's Which is saying, weird considering he's meant to be like the baby face chasing the belt. Yeah. Yeah. Seven weeks into the, ep- into the show with ten episodes, we hear a word from our top baby face. That word is fantastic. 
And then Stu Bennett reveals that the match that he is going to have with Rampage will be a tag team match between Justin Sizem and Joe Hendry against Rampage and Shah Samuels. Justin Sizem slams his fist on the table in in di- uh, annoyance. Oh, you bugger. Disgust. <laughs> oh, oh that, that ends on that. So, now we get the match that's being billed as a handicap match between the face that Simon just pulled there, listeners. Between Crater and Gabriel Kidd and Liam Slater and Robbie X. What is it, Simon? It's a fatal four-way. It's a We've fatal done this. Match. We've had this conversation <laughs> already. Why am I having to repeat myself? And literally, like 30 seconds ago, you were talking about how Justin Sargent's been bait and switched. Fair enough. He's a baby face. They're meant to put obstacles in his way. Why are we having obstacles put in our way? We're the fans. Why are you lying to us? It's just the lies that hurt. Why must you turn this mind the dentist chair into a house of lies? But it's not the only thing that we'll get angry about over the next few minutes, is it, Simon? None of this makes sense. Well, actually, I think two-thirds of the match do make sense. It's the middle portion and the very final part of the match that don't make sense. Yeah, so it's... it's Gabriel Kidd and Liam Slater from the previous three-way not-handicap match. But now, the tag team partner that Crater turned on in their tournament match against Grado and the British Bulldog, Robbie X, is also a part of the match. So it's Fatal 4-Way, and yet again, like the three-way, Crater is standing outside the ring. But they've learned their lesson this time, and they insist that Crater come into the ring. If only Crater then obliges. Mistake, otherwise, he doesn't get counted out if the referee was doing his bloody job. <laughs> have we had count outs on in handicap? We have in some and not in the yeah, others. We had, hand- we had a count out in the opening five way elimination match. Yeah, but sure, well, Crater did, definitely didn't get counted out no, of the others. Like, yeah. But no, no, not of that. I mean, when he stands outside the yeah, ring yeah, before, yeah. no one's ever had a count against him. So anyway, Crater enters and they all attack him, but he's sending them all flying. But finally, they're able to sort of get some double teamwork together and uh, they send him to the outside with a triple drop kick. Then each of them do a tope uh, individually and then they do an, a tope as three mans together and that finally yeah. knocks Crater down to one knee. So Crater's shown a moment of weakness. So what do the other three guys do? Start wrestling each other. And therefore weakening each other up when Crater inevitably gets back into the match. It's just... it, there, there is no like words for that. It just defies like, logic. You've got the big guy down. Just just hammer him. Just hammer him. I get that you want to like I get that you want to show these guys athleticism off. Yeah. But you were kind of doing that anyway. Yeah. Do you really need to like sort of portray the logic of what you're putting across, yeah. Just to have them wrestle each other. Yeah. What I will say, um, I really liked Robbie X in this yeah, match. Yeah, Robbie think... X seemed to get the crowd behind him towards the end of the match. They even acknowledged that in commentary when we uh, get that. He's just got. He's good... got wheels, hasn't he? He's moving. He's, he's he moves about. Fantastic, especially that whole bit where he's entering the, getting out of the ring, getting back into the ring, and just befuddling. It's kind of a variant of that old sort of Johnny Saints. Standing switches, flipping backwards and forwards, and offering his hands up, and then tricking the person. It's just a classic. It's it's a, a high flying variant of a, of a world of sports 
classic style of British wrestling, really. And it's incorporating the ring, which is something that a lot of wrestlers do more now in recent years. You know, actually using elements of the ring itself. Like, obviously, you've got all the apron moves that happen now. But you know what I mean? Yeah. Like people are playing a lot more with the form of the, the, the ring itself. He's using the tools he's got available. Yeah. Which yeah. makes sense for, obviously, what he's trying to do as well. Yeah. At one point, Kid um, tries to do Emerald Flosion on um, Robbie X, I believe. And it, the whole thing is done from like the bird's eye view shots. So it is a bit hard to tell, but I could tell that they'd blown the spots and they had to do it again. And again, it's just a blown spot that could have been cut out. Yeah. And they didn't cut it out. Just... But then okay, you... I'm, we're trying not to, I'm trying not to sound too frustrated because... A, there's three more efforts. Three, we've got to do this three more times. And B, I am trying to sound positive and I do want the whole concept to succeed ultimately. Yeah. But it's simple stuff. Yeah. It really is. And if you can't do the simple stuff, what? how can you do anything more complicated, complicated. or elaborate or more ambitious if the show were to be a success? You can't run if you can't walk. Yeah, if you can't do the fundamentals, that's the first thing you're taught in wrestling. Yeah. And... They can't do the fundamentals of telling stories and filming wrestling right. Because later on, when Crater gets back into the ring, and there's a point where Robbie X goes for his sort of, um, I think he calls it the X Factor or something. No, X Express. Yeah. Where he does like a handspring elbow. or Well, he goes a handspring cutter, I think. So it's kind of like Jay Lethal's Lethal Injection. Um, and Crater catches him, and it's a bit awkward how he's holding him, but he has caught him. And at that point, Slater and Kid are supposed to do drop kicks to a knee each. They both take a knee. Yeah. And they didn't do it right. And then they do it again. And then Crater does go down. So again, they screwed it up. And then they did it right the second time. So that means you could have cut it so that we only see the one that worked. Yeah. It makes... It's just... So Rob and so Crater is brought down for the first time. So this is this classic story that you tell of a monster, like first time they're knocked off their feet or they're knocked down to one knee, and when they finally take a bump, and that's what it took three people to do that to him. And then those three people hit a standing shooting star press, a top rope frog splash, and a top rope elbow drop. All three pin car, uh, Crater, and it gets a three count, and Crater's been beaten. But now who's won? No one. Exactly. All of them. So who gets the benefit of like pinning Crater? No one. So why pin him? No reason. There we go. <laughs> See, it seemed like it was all... The, the way that I could read this whole thing... And I thought Crater was one of the ones they'd actually built in... I don't think the presentation's fantastic. The mask looks a bit ropey and the piped-in roaring sounds and all that is quite cheesy. But just the the traditional building of a monster against... Mid-card, lower-card, smaller wrestlers, beating them in singles. You know, you build it up. He beats them up on his own. He beats Kid up on his own. Then he beats up Kid and Slater. Then he beats up Kid, Slater, and Robbie X. It's a very simple story. As long I'm as told in time, like, whole... since the Territory days. Yeah. And if you'd have just had that storyline of them working together, and, like, Kid has no luck on his own. He has a bit more luck with Slater, but not much. And then he has a bit more luck than that with three of them, but they still fall short because they're young, they're inexperienced, and Crater is a monster. Yeah. And then Crater, like in the last episode, or the second from last episode, like the last episode, I would assume it was going to end with Justin and pinning Rampage for the belt, and either Crater attacking him, or Crater just simply appearing 
on the on the entrance ramp and making it clear that Sizem is his target, and you'll have to tune in next series to see how this goes. Yeah, and who knows? That could actually be the end. That ending, could still be, be what sure. they mean to do. But you've had the the facade has been broken already. Yeah, he's been pinned. He's been and... pinned, and the person that pins him. It's not even like a, you know, it's not like Brock Lesnar being the man that broke the streak, and obviously it's not of that stature, but it's still the person that did it. It's yeah. like Ron Simmons was the one to beat Big Van Vader, you know. But there or isn't John one Cena person who benefits from it. John Cena was the one to finally beat Rusev. Or Umaga. Umaga, yeah. Just really simple things, and they haven't done the simple things right. It's it's really not. I will I will say the craterless section of the match. I mean, I've already talked about Robbie X, but it was it was fine. The well, craterless yeah. sections of the match. What you do is you have them all be beaten in a handicap match, but then they actually get they they say they impressed, and so this is a sign for these in the, in two or three more years' time. These guys will be ready. You give them maybe a three way match at the end, and they say, you know, show them what you've got, and they actually do yeah. get to be impressive. You know. Uh. The whole crater like being beaten, like the fact that these weren't handicap matches, it just was frustrating because they were wrestled like they were handicap matches for ninety five percent of it. Well, about fifty percent of it, I would say. Well, for the, I mean, well, more the first one was yeah. like more than anything else. So now we come to as close as to a perfect segment as I think they've managed on the show so far. In all honesty, there is next to nothing I would change about this segment now. Which oh, is... um, oh, sorry. Go on, if we're about to move on, there's one more point I do want to raise about the whole creator thing. Yeah. So, um, after the bell, when he like he starts attacking everyone, why is it your 36 stone monster is successfully like restrained by a solitary security guard? He's taller than him and in much better shape than all the three other wrestlers. <laughs> yeah. Just if you're going to send security to the ring, send more than one man and have them be it's like not... the size of Liam Slater, Robbie X, and Gabriel yeah. Kidd. Make it so it's obvious that they need the numbers to restrain him. Yeah. WWE does this so well with its pull-apart. Well, they've yeah. done it too often these they do days. too with, often now. With empty in the locker room. But yeah. they empty the locker room. That's my point. Yeah. Well, they suck. But they didn't suck with this next segment for the most part, which is Grado against Martin Kirby. And this is end of the pier comedy wrestling. Like It's as close as you get to Les Kellett against Brian Glover. In the old world of sport days, or or Big Daddy, I guess in a way, um, Martin Kirby doing his comedic heel and Grado doing all of his classic spots and just constantly befuddling Martin Kirby throughout most of the match with his antics, you know, he, uh, and also the whole mystery of what's in the bum bag. Uh, yeah. I wish that had been something that had been laid down over previous episodes. Just say, yeah, knows what he has in that bum bag. Just drop a few lines in, yeah. But- it's just, just this one... Just very suddenly at the start of this episode, Grado yells, Hey, yeah, be careful with my bum bag. <laughs> and, oh, and that's the start of like, yeah. the build-up. But, I can, just... but maybe that's just the whole thing about Grado's just trying to tempt Martin Kirby to do that. You know? Yeah, it was, it was like a match-specific Deliberately tactic, drawing yes. him in. And so then they do do that. I just think this is, this is the sort of stuff that would appeal to an audience that don't watch wrestling. Yeah. The, the, the simple comedy stuff, fun little moments like... You know, Grado just doing his, I'm a fatty, uh, you can't German suplex me, because he just dead weights Martin Kirby. Yeah. Uh, but then also surprising him with the cartwheel. This was the best example of what 
Grado is good at as an in-ring performer. Because he is a good in-ring performer. He's not going to have four-star, five-star classic matches, but he's going to entertain an audience. Yeah. People, he, um... There are plenty of people that would rather watch a Grado match than... Would... There are probably more people that would, that would watch a Grado match over a Will Ospreay match in the general public. Yeah, I mean, the, when the general public, like, I, they, they think of wrestling as panto more than, like, wrestling well, fans do. panto. And that's what Grado's been doing. Because you're going for that audience. You put it on ITV on a Saturday, that's the audience you're going for. And yeah, the crowd was really into it. As I say, the crowd has been most yeah. lively for Grado. I think he's got yeah. the most genuine reaction so Kirby's far. Kirby's been also able to get reactions from the audience, like yelling at the crowd, like acknowledging the audience. I remember it was yeah. in the previous Joe Hendry match, I think. He said something disparaging to someone in the audience, and there was a real kind of, ooh, yeah. like, real, like a genuine reaction. They weren't piped in, they weren't told to applaud now or anything like that like they do when when alex shane and them lot are doing like an introduction or whatever in the uh, between segments or you know welcome back mm. and all that sort of stuff where they're just cheering at nothing which is stuff i hate um so yeah th- this was just entertaining the only things that bothered me were that they didn't set it up and the- unless this is the start of a feud i wouldn't have had martin kirby win the match um, I think you said unless Grado's going to get his revenge. Yeah, if there's going to be later revenge, if it's like the start of another story, and also Kirby won in exactly the same way that he beat Joe Hendry uh, in the first one of their matches. Um, You'd think they'd be looking for that by now. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I just thought if I if 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 the guy in charge of ITV said what is the what's the sort of stuff we should be doing, I'd say that. Not every match. You can't have it in every match. You can't have it in every segment. It'll get tiresome quite But there should be at least one part of every episode that has that sort of humour to it. Yeah. Sort of like the funny X Factor auditions, all those yeah. like weird characters that are total, total wipeout yeah, that come okay. with like their Nan stockings on their it's, head it's, or something yeah, like that. Or the X Factor contestant that's mentally ill and we decide to laugh at them for that. You know. Ah. <laughs> uh, Oh, it's like with this whole Susan Boyle thing. Oh, that's weird. That's yeah. different. Oh, my God. Someone who's not attractive is able to sing. I cannot fathom such a notion. Even though Paul Potts, not that attractive, had won the first one. I not that at all. A, she's good singer. She's not a great singer. B, she's not Shrek. She's a normal... There are people that look like Susan Boyle every at every bus stop in the world. Yeah. <laughs> C, her voice is fine. Was that my A point as well? It, it was your A point. Twice. You, you, you've done a CNA on me. Yeah. Um, which was amazing because CNA's not been open in years. Yeah. What I did love was... A... Sorry, that's a, that's a panto level joke. Yeah. Uh, that's a pants level joke. Um... Wow. <laughs> uh, what I did love that was... But it's something like that. When Grado does actually finally get to use the toothbrush on Martin Kirby after they do the sort of test of strength bits... Which, which goes off for a fair bit. That was quite well strength. filmed as well, like the close-up on the faces and everything. I actually thought they filmed yeah. it quite well. Again, I did like the bit when it went towards the ref. Yeah, yeah, as well. Put it towards the ref. Yeah, I liked yeah. that. Um, uh, I, the, when he does actually put the 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 toothbrush in the mouth, if you're a wrestling fan, you get that. That's also kind of an Abdullah the Butcher reference yeah. as well. That he's attacking him with the toothbrush in exactly the same way Abdullah the Butcher used to attack people with a fork. Yeah, jamming it in their face and into their mouth and everything. Um, then Alex Shane has to go too far and say that was the funniest thing since Morecambe and Wise, and it's like, come on, bit dated that you reference don't need as well. To lie to people. 
That, yeah, that's just not true. That's just not true. Yeah, so that's just it. Alex Shine didn't need to exaggerate. I wouldn't have had Kirby win if it's not the start of a feud. And they've only got three more episodes, so I don't know if they'll have time to do that. And also... But we, we can't really pass comment yet because we don't no. know how long. But the fact that British Bulldog Jr.'s wrestling yesterday in Reese makes me feel like Bulldog will win that match. And then that sets up a tag match with him and Grado for the final episode. For the tag yeah. titles. That's where I would think it would go. Um, who knows? Oh, yeah. At one point Honestly, in the match, who knows? Alex Shane literally said like derogatory things towards the match as well. So, like, he goes from one end to the, you know, this is the funniest thing since Morgan Wise, but earlier on in the match he says, this is not what World of Sport is all about. <laughs> Which it isn't, but you don't say it like that. <laughs> oh, God. But, yeah, yeah. also, I would have just mic the audience better so that we could have heard, and, and the wrestlers better, so we could have heard what they said more clearly. You know? Yeah. Uh, so then we go on to the main event, Justin Sizem, Joe Hendry against Rampage and Shah Samuels. I've got nothing much to say about it. It was a decent tag team match. Uh, Samuels and Rampage were very good at, like, the bullying heel. Like, it was proper, like, Bully Ray level, like, n- nasty... Heavy, powerful clubbing blows and power moves and everything. Like Justin Sizem looked like he took a beating, but then he's able to get his own hot tag a few minutes, a few moments yeah, later. Yeah, that, that was the... that was the only strange structure that they literally had Justin Sizem be both Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson in the same match. Or the model, yeah, or the modern version, Enzo and Big Cass. Yeah. Sure. Not not putting those two in the same like category <laughs> before you like throw those daggers at me. I see you those judging eyes. I'm just saying that was the most obvious. Like one guy takes the like and this the... right here. This is Robert Gibson, and he's got boss eyeballs, and you can't <laughs> teach that. Oh, I've just had a, a nightmare of like Jim Cornette stabbing me to death in my sleep after saying something like that. <laughs> um, I'm sure I'm sure he's more calm these days. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we all get. I know, we get older. I did like um, CJ Banks is a great shit house. Yes, yeah, he, he, he is. is actually good at that. Finally, because I know I said some denigrating things about him at the start. I just was bothered that he was never introduced. He seems to be doing just generic. I'm an intense wrestler, but he does actually look like an annoying shit. I wish yeah. he'd be given... I, I, the way I would kind of describe him is he's a bit like Billy Mitchell from EastEnders. Yes, and he's got Grant... And he's, he's all male when he's got Grant yeah. and Phil around. Yeah, I like the idea that he's actually... And also, maybe it turns out that he's not that hard at all in real... Like, once you actually get into a match, he's like not able to take a lot of punishment or something. Yeah. Again, that like, could be out a fun little seconds, bit of a character thing to him, you know? Yeah. I did like how Rampage as well was like always when when it was on level playing field. It didn't want anything to do with yeah, Sizem. Yeah, that's again, a good story. again, that's why I'm not. That's why again I'm not sure that Rampage is the right guy to be in that champion's role because I can't see a guy like him being a coward in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, and that's why I always figure he'd be better as an Arn Anderson rather than a Ric Flair. You know, Arn Anderson isn't the heel champ; he's the number two to the heel champ. He's the Ishii to the Okada. They do they, they do this whenever, like... Do you get where I'm coming from there with Rampage? Yeah. Especially the Ishii to the Okada. I was very proud of that one. 
But they, they do it with heels, by and large, though, don't they? It's just like, no matter your body shape, if you're a heel, you're, you're more cowardly. It just yeah. seems to be like that's just how the booking is. I guess it's just like he picks his spots and whatever. But I just don't... Yeah. You look at Rampage, you don't think there's a guy that's going to back down from a fight. No. You think there's a guy that's probably going to glass me if I spill his drink? He wouldn't glass you. That's not fair. He uses bare hands to do whatever he needs to do to you. But if he was a heel, he might glass mm. me. Yeah. You see my point? No, no, no. I think because that's more of a Begbie thing. That's why, like, uh, CJ Banks will glass you. <laughs> so from behind as well. Yeah, yeah, as, as yeah. like, Rampage is, like, squaring up to you. Yeah. Like, CJ Banks hits you from behind with a pint yeah. glass. So, again, we're getting a bit of character stuff here, finally, after seven episodes. But you could have done this so much quicker if you'd let these guys talk. That's the key thing I keep saying again and again. And given that we've got three episodes, I can't see it suddenly changing. <laughs> Like I said, we heard Justin Sizem speak for the first time this episode. Yeah. And it was one word. We've got, got to have them four matches per show. I must admit, apparently... part of me was expecting a potential Joe Hendry heel turn. I don't know if you thought that might have happened. I didn't think it was a certainty. I just thought it was a potential one that they might have had. Because, you know, you could have had this sense of Joe Hendry feeling like he's been pushed to the back of the queue or something and that Justin Sizem keeps getting... I don't know, more opportunities than he does even. I don't know. I just again it's just I'm just really bothered by the fact that Justin Sizem won a number one's contenders match two or three weeks ago. Which Joe Hendry was involved in. Yeah. And nothing seems to have come from that. Now it's just and also it reminds me. Well that's part of the story, much. isn't it? The yeah. goalposts are just getting moved and moved and moved. Because uh, Bennett cites this, he says, the... um, you've earned a cracker rampage. Not not a title match. But they said that the match was for a title match. Yeah, but they gave the impression that them creator matches were going to be handicap matches. It did say on the promo. They're liars. They're liars. But again, you're already getting people to not trust your brand as something that's going to give what it says it's going to deliver. Yeah. And that's before the Loser Leave Town guy comes back. Yeah. Uh, well, that was episode seven. It's just going to be more of the same for three more episodes, really. We've got Yestin Reese against British Bulldog Jr. And we've got Viper against Aisha to look forward to next week. I'm begging. Do you, here's, a, here's a question for you. In the three episodes they have left, do you think we'll hear any woman get to talk on the microphone? Um, well, we've got two women. Well, a mixed tag match as well next week. Yes, we've that is true. Yes. Uh, Osprey and Priestley match. versus Kaylee Ray and... Um, Stevie Boy. Stevie Boy. It turns out to go out with Kaylee Ray. And they're actually going couple versus couple as a storyline. Yeah, but the thing is... Not like another been... company's doing that at the moment. Now, I know this was filmed in advance. Yeah, you can't but... have a go with them for that. I think I was more just the novelty of it. And um, yeah, but what just... I don't get is why have you booked B Priestley as a heel... And now you've got a teaming up with the babyface Will Ospreay. Well, Ospreay's not been overtly either, has he? No, he shook. Yeah, he shook hands with um, British Bulldog at the end of their match, and he uh, he beat Martin Kirby, one of the most obvious heels in the promotion, fair and square. In there, all you've really got out of that is the handshake. Well, that's one thing. Well, simply, I didn't hear the crowd booing him, and it's obvious they would have encouraged them to boo him. Well, true. You do love those little prompts you're insisting that they have. I don't doubt that for a second. <laughs> um, so, I, yeah. I heard in the grapevine that this did, did a slightly better number as yeah, well. Yeah, but it's still in the 500,000 region. Like, last one, the fourth, the first 430 episode did 400,000, and I think this one did close to 500,000. 
But they can't break that 500-ish thousand. They can't get up to like 600,000. Well, yeah, I heard it was like 530-something. But I think there was a Harry Potter film on after. Which did like 2 million. 2.5 million. Literally five times as many people watched that. Well, I'm not disputing that Harry Potter's more popular than wrestling. But everyone's got the DVDs. Yeah, well, you know... ITV people are weird like that. You know, all the people that just watch the terrestrial channels will always boggle my mind. Like, after Have I Got News For You moved from BBC Two to BBC One, it gained an extra million viewers. Yeah. There are a million people that would refuse to watch it because it was on BBC Two. Or a million people that don't look at BBC Two yeah. when the channel flip. This fucking country. I don't know. <laughs> it's why Peaky Blinders is now going to be on BBC One for the new season. So that's going to get more traction. Yeah, they have they have moved that to see, uh, BBC I've, One. I'm still only at... See, I've only just watched Series 1 of Peaky Blinders. I still have the others to watch. I need to watch Season 4. I've watched the first three. Yeah, I did like it. And, you know, it's great seeing Birmingham represented as something cool. In <laughs> Birmingham is milking that for all it's worth. Oh, you better bloody believe it. <laughs> But then again, you would, wouldn't you? Yeah, I, think, yeah I, I don't doubt for a second that Albuquerque has all of the Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul uh, tours that they can muster. If you ever walk through Liverpool... New Zealand is probably going to rename itself Middle Earth at this yeah. point. And if you ever walk through Liverpool City Centre, you'll realise um, just a band being there can be enough sometimes. Yeah, Jerry and the Pacemakers were great. Yeah, that's true. Uh, did I do Ferry across the Mersey. I was about to ask, was that Ferry across the Mersey? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's been episode seven. We're going to do episode eight. I'm sorry about the negativity. Um, yeah, I know. I've come wanna, into it more I, you know, than usual as myself. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we're just tired today. I've been tired all week. <laughs> but objectively, and this is not trying to add any negativity or like tiredness to this, the booking in this episode was very confusing. Yeah. Uh, again, the ingring action was fine, fine yeah. to fine good. But it's all, and it's always the same length of time, so they can never become great matches. You can't, yeah. You know. Um, but like I said, there was like the Grado Martin Kirby segment was as close as to what I would have made a lot of this show like. Yeah. The trouble is, I've, I know someone who di- hasn't watched any world of sport but watched this episode on a sunday re- morning repeat uh and they said the whole sort of thing was quite hokey yeah. and but so is itv1 itv1 is hokey yeah but is hokey going to attract the young audience the youngsters all watch the x factor and everything don't they well i don't know what they do well, actually x, fa- x factor has been on a downward trajectory since 2009 two thousand like it's it's been dropping viewers quite consistently for quite some I time i don't i don't is the honest truth i don't know i don't i don't understand this country that much i try and ignore it whenever i can <laughs> <laughs> oh you put yourself in your own bubble basically away from all the other bubbles <laughs> yeah kind of you can do that these days thank god that's true um, that's why I don't get like a lot of people saying. I understand why we're saying, "Oh, it's terrible that human beings aren't interacting with each other and everything." And it's like we've chosen this. These things come into existence because we want that to be the case. When you have the choice of either dealing with someone at the checkout or the automatic checkout, nine out of ten people go for the automatic checkouts. 
I, I wouldn't know where uh, we have our shopping delivered. <laughs> well, that, that's just the one step further. Well, as no, as soon as they make it drones, you'll be ecstatic because you won't have to make small talk with the person. I don't mind the driver. It's all right. Mm. Really? I don't know, I don't know what drone's going to How break. much extra does it cost you to get that delivered? Um, it is between four... Uh, three to f- I'd say three to six pounds. I don't know. I don't do it. It just comes out of my account. I would have thought and, through petrol and everything. That probably does save you time and just convenient. man hours. And yeah. Everything. All woman hours. Is it because you live a bit more rurally now? Or were you no, still no, doing um, that when you lived quite... No, no, no. In fact, uh, I have a supermarket ten minutes walk away from me and a two minutes, which is about a two minutes drive. I will still have home delivery. <laughs> if I have to go into a supermarket, it's going to be one that's got scan and pay so I don't have to do anything at the checkout and I can pack as I go along. I just don't like interacting with like people. Well, that's why I've always said, because I went and saw Terminator 2 at the cinema the other day. It was that 4DX thing. It was pretty cool. Oh, okay. So, it's only the second time I've done 4DX, and it was definitely the better experience of the two. We went and saw Doctor Strange in 4DX at one point. You know, they had like wind turbines and everything. Well, not wind turbines, but you know, like if there's wind. <laughs> You're in Spider <laughs> <laughs> there's this, there's a scene in Doctor Strange where he gets sent up to like the top of a mountain. And because there's like, it's like a, you know, blizzard basically. And so they added like extra wind, like they put fans on and it was all over. Yeah. And I was like, and the scene's going on. And I just turned to my mate, because I'd seen the film already. Um, and so I just turned to my mate and I went, you know, the dialogue in that scene was actually quite important. And I don't, I couldn't hear any of that. <laughs> and he said, yeah, the same here. No, um, he said, what? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we saw Terminator 2, and um, I think that the thing that they get wrong is I don't think Skynet will take over by force. I think they'll be democratically elected. You know, they'll be like, I like that T-800 zero-tolerance stance. Zero-tolerance on what? On everything. Doesn't take any guff. Guff? (laughs) (laughs) It's an old word. He says it like he means it. He tells it like it is. In ones and zeros. Um, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Um, so that that's been a little World bit of a tangent episode there, seven. Yeah, um, we're coming to the end of this project, I guess. Um, as you think, World of Sport is as well. Yeah. <laughs> People want to find you on the social medias. It's Simon Cross Three, isn't it? It is Simon Cross Three. Um, so cool because there's only three episodes of World of Sport yeah. left. That's lazy, but that's accurate. My name's Lorcan Mullen. That's L O R C A N. M U W L A for Apple, N for nonsensical. Uh, thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a good time until the next time. Farewell, Grapple fans. Mm-hmm.